Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. All right, tonight I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. We're going to start with a text that I believe everybody is probably pretty familiar with. Kenneth Hagin's favorite text to preach on, one of my favorite texts to mention. <laughs> But I'm just going to show you something that I've really never caught. I asked the Lord a question yesterday, and I mean, it was almost audible and immediate, the response that he gave me out of this text, and I just want to share some revelation. So, Lord, I thank you. Lord, let your word be ministered powerfully tonight. Let it fall on ears that are hungry and ready to receive. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to teach your word tonight. And, Father, I ask that you would speak through me by the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, we welcome the Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. 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 All right, so Mark 11, 22, we're going to read 22 through 25. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Say, it will happen. I just love this. We're going to read some passages on faith, but I want you in your Bible, highlight that circle that it will happen. When you operate in faith, it will happen. Not it might happen. It will happen. You can say, mountain do this, and the mountain will do it, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. I want you to understand, this isn't really going to be a message on faith necessarily, but I just want to help encourage you because this is encouraging to me. That Jesus actually taught that there is a, a realm called faith that we can walk in where we receive the things that we pray for every time without exception. Hallelujah. Not just our prayers hitting the ceiling to a God with deaf ears. No, he taught that if we would operate in what the Bible calls faith, we can receive answers to our prayers every single time. And we don't have to beg God and, and, and twist his arm. No, we can receive immediate responses to things that we decree when we use faith. And I'm going to show you so many passages that Jesus taught this repeatedly. Jesus said if we had faith, we could receive all things. Say all things. all things. If we had faith, we could receive all things. Jesus said if we had faith, we could move mountains. Jesus said if we had faith, nothing would be impossible. Look at John 14. Turn your Bibles there real quick. Let these passages just encourage you. John 14. Thank you for your word, Lord. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. 
And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Look at verse 13. You can ask me for anything. Say anything. In my name. And I will do it. Say, he says what? I will do it. Not I might do it. You can ask using my name and I'll do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. He didn't only say it once. He said, I'm going to repeat myself verbatim just so you don't get confused. <laughs> Hallelujah. You could say to a mountain, move, and if, if you believe and do not doubt in your heart, you can believe that you've received it and you will have it. Look at John 15, 16. Flip it over to the next chapter. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So here again, Jesus is saying, use my name. The Father will give you whatever it is that you ask for. Hallelujah. Go over now one more chapter, John 16, 23 through 26. Man, it's like John 14, he teaches it. John 15, he says it again. John 16, verse 23. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you'll ask the Father directly. He will grant your requests because you use my name. Say his name. So he says this, you haven't done this before, but ask using my name and you will receive. Will, not maybe, not might, you will receive. That's a fact and you will have abundant joy. Hallelujah. I have spoken these matters. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I'll stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I'll ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Hallelujah. So he says, yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. So I just want you to see that. Ask using my name and you will receive. Say, I will receive. So that kind of helps you understand what the Bible's saying in Mark eleven twenty four, where he says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So people get confused. What does that mean? I believe I've received it. Well, basically, when you tie in everything that Jesus said about faith and prayer, you say, according to what Jesus said, according to the word of God, if I'll ask the Father and bring a request to him, and, and in the name of Jesus, Jesus guaranteed me that the Father would do what I asked when I used his name. Hallelujah. So that's why you can say, I believe that my petition has been heard and I believe that I receive it. I believe it's mine. Why do I believe it's mine? Because I asked using his name. Praise God. Mark 9, 23. Thank you, Jesus. This man came with a demon-possessed child. He said in verse 22, the spirit often throws him into the fire or water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. So again, Jesus said, let's recap this. Jesus said we could receive all things 
if we had faith. All thanks, whatever we ask for, whatsoever you ask when you pray, believe that you received it. He said we could move mountains. Say move mountains. And he said nothing would be impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing will be impossible. Father, I thank you. That's $7,000, not impossible, not even hard. That's easy. Thank you, Jesus. So, give you an example of this. Now turn to Matthew 9. Matthew 9, 27 through 30. It says, after Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where Jesus was staying, and Jesus asked them, listen to this, do you believe I can make you see? I just think that that's interesting. Why didn't Jesus, through the gift of discernment, because you have to understand, Jesus operated in all nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. Well, I mean, it could be debated. People say, well, he never operated in tongues and interpretation. But there's also some that make a case that show through Scripture that he might have operated in those gifts as well. But the whole point is Jesus operated in the Spirit, the Bible says, without measure. He was everything. He was all of it. So he had the gift of discernment. So the fact of the matter is Jesus already knew what these people wanted. And plus, they were blind, right? So, I mean, it's kind of probably easy. You don't really have to have the gift of discernment to, to figure out someone's walking up to you like Velma without her glasses on, you know, filling around, trying to fumble their way up to you. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to figure out what do you need. But yet he still asked them, do you believe I can make you see? That was the important question. It wasn't a matter of, can I make you see? He already established. It's not a matter of, if I can do it, nothing's impossible if you'll believe. The real question is, do you believe that I can do it? Do you believe that it'll happen? Do you believe that you're going to see today? He asked them this because their answer, their miracle was dependent upon their answer. Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I was telling you guys, I was reading that passage yesterday, and I just about leaped out of my chair. It was like faith leaped up in me, and it just came. Lord, nothing is impossible. And it was like the Lord's promises, everything he's spoken, everything he said, everything the word decrees just came flooding back to me. And the Lord was like, do you believe it? And I said, yes, Lord, I believe it. He said, then you shall have it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So go back to Mark 11, our key text. This mountain-moving faith, this mountain-moving faith, if we had faith, if we used faith, if we asked using the name of Jesus, if we didn't doubt in our heart, this is what is possible. Everything's possible. But I want you to see verse 25 through 26. So again, he says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you've believed that you've received it, it will be yours. And then the next line is what I asked the Lord about. But Jesus said, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Huh. 
So in context, Jesus is saying, before you pray and you can see the mountain move, you must first forgive before the mountain will move. Before all this promise, you can receive all things when you ask the Father using my name. He says, before you can receive any of it, you must first forgive. Nothing is impossible. All things are possible. But before you receive the impossible, you must first forgive. I asked the Lord, I said, why? Jesus, why did you say that? Yesterday, I was out riding on my lawnmower meditating on this. And I said, Jesus, why did you say that? Why do I have to forgive first? And the Lord Almost audibly, it was so clear my spirit responded to me, and he said this. He said, because I only move mountains for the righteous. Before you get offended, because I know you're going to say, well, didn't Jesus bless sinners? Didn't he do miracles? We can answer all those questions, but I'm going to take you down this rabbit trail the Lord led me down. He said, because I only move mountains for the righteous. Why do I have to forgive in order to see my faith work and my faith bring into manifestation the thing that I'm believing for because I only move mountains for the righteous. You have to understand there's two categories of people, those that are in the category of the righteous and those that are not. Amen. It doesn't mean, and you have to understand this as well, that we receive righteousness by faith. The Bible says in Romans 1, 6, 16 through 17, just go ahead and look at that. Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Gentile. This good news tells us that God makes us right or righteous in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Say faith. faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Another translation says the just shall live by faith. And so God only moves mountains for those that are righteous. It's very easy. You can't earn your righteousness. You have to receive it. But what I do want to talk about is what he said. He mentioned unforgiveness. So I want you to think about this. We receive righteousness, not of our own good works, but by faith, right? But apparently unforgiveness can actually take us out of that category of the righteous. I'm going to further elaborate this in a moment. But the Lord said, I only move mountains for the righteous. So I want you to write this down tonight. Number one, God God only moves mountains for the righteous. And again, I know you're probably going to say, well, didn't Jesus heal sinners? Wasn't he the friend of sinners? Yes, but I want you to understand in Matthew chapter 9, 1 through 8, Jesus actually interchanged healing with righteousness. You know why? Because it's the same thing that gets you both, faith. A man came to Jesus that was crippled, and Jesus didn't say, be healed. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, and it got the Pharisees all, their pennies all wadded up in a bundle. What do you mean? Who do you think that you are saying your sins are forgiven? He said, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk? Was Jesus confused? No, you were made righteous by faith and you were healed by faith. And so every person that Jesus healed, it was because of their faith, right? 
He went to his own hometown and could do, do no mighty miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief. They had no faith. And so even Jesus healed the people that the world called sinners, but they were truly people that knew that they needed a Messiah. Jesus said they weren't the self-righteous. They were, they were the meek. They were the lowly. The blessed are those that mourn. Not like grieve that you've lost somebody. No, that they mourn like, Lord, we need forgiveness. We need righteousness. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They were who the world called sinners. But yet when they came to Jesus in faith, right, because the fact that they received their miracle proved that they had faith, they simultaneously received righteousness because faith I'm sorry, faith produces both. Amen. So that answers that question. Didn't Jesus heal sinners? Yes, he did, but they had faith, which brought them into the category of the righteous. Hallelujah. So God only moves mountain for the, for the righteous. That was a little bit of a rabbit trail, but let me, uh, again, there's two categories of people, those that are in the category of the righteous and those that are not. Look at Proverbs 15, 29. So why did Jesus say, I want you to think about this. Why did he say you could move mountains with your faith, but you must first forgive? Because unforgiveness pulls you out of the category of the righteous. He says this, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of who? The righteous. He is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Look at it in the Amplified. The Lord is far from the wicked, and he distanced himself from them. But he hears the prayers of the consistently righteous, that is, those with spiritual integrity and moral courage. He distances himself. How do you want me to say this, Lord? I guess the, I mean, the notes really don't matter. The thing that matters is you understanding this. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, you will not be forgiven. Right? right? Yeah. If you are not forgiven, you are not in the category of the righteous. If your sins are not forgiven, you're not considered righteous. You're in the category outside of the righteous. Well, guess what? God does not hear the prayers of those outside of the category of the righteous. It says he's far from them. So why did Jesus say you must first forgive? Because if you don't first forgive, your prayers won't even meet the ear of God. He is far from the wicked. This will make more sense to you in a minute. Look at Psalms 35, 15 through 17. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they cry to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord watches over those that do right. It's talking about the righteous his ears are open to their cries. So basically, again, there's these two categories. There's those that the Lord's ear is turned towards, and there's those that the Lord's ear is turned away from. You see that? 
Look at 1 Peter 3, uh, 11 through 12, if you want to turn there. But basically, verbatim, Peter quotes. I'll read it again. Psalm 34, 15 through 17. Peter quoted verbatim. The eyes of the Lord watch over those that do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But he turns his face against those that do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help, and he rescues them from all their troubles. Basically, when Peter quoted that, he pulled it into the new covenant. Amen. Because people could read that and say, well, how is that relevant to us? Well, when Peter quoted it directly, uh, it was pulled into the new covenant. So, look at James 5.16. James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a who? Of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Again, the Lord just led me down this rabbit trail of proving this point. God moves mountains for the righteous. My ear is turned towards the righteous. If you're in that category, the prayers of the righteous ascend to the Lord. He receives them. He backs them. And guess what? Mountains move when they pray in faith using the name of Jesus. Look at James 5.16. You may be like confused right now. This will make so much more sense. Just stay with me here. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another your false steps and your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, say a righteous man, quotation a believer, is able to accomplish much, and then it says this, you guys have it on the screen, when put into action and made effective, okay, when put into action and made effective by God. I want you to see that. When put into action and made effective by God. So basically what the scripture is saying is that the Lord receives the prayer of the righteous and puts it into action and makes it effective. (laughs) Hallelujah. Guess what happens to those that are not in the category of the righteous? The Lord doesn't take their prayer and make it effective and put it into action. So people are saying... Why, don't, why is it that I see the Bible says that? Yes, I have faith, but yet when I pray, mountains don't move and things don't happen. Well, I'm going to tell you why in just a second. It says, when put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Hallelujah. That means the Lord takes the prayers of the righteous and he puts it into action He makes it effective, that he puts power, he puts dunamis, he makes it dynamic, there's dynamite behind it. He makes it effectual, effective, it produces results. Hallelujah. So for God to move on behalf of your prayers, this is my whole point in reading all these scriptures to you, for God to move on behalf of your prayers You must fall into the category of the righteous. Amen. You can write that down. For God to move on behalf of your prayers, you must fall into the category of the righteous. That's not not my assumption. That's all of the scriptures that we just read. Amen. 
He's close to the prayers of the righteous. He's far from the wicked. There's only two qualifications to have mountains move. And it's this, undoubting faith and right standing with God. If what Jesus is saying in Mark 11, 22 through 24, essentially this is what he's saying. If you can meet these two qualifications, mountains will move and they'll leap into the sea when you pray. The two qualifications are number one, undoubting faith. Say undoubting faith. And that's just settling. I believe that God will do what he said. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. I use that name. I believe Jesus is alive. I believe he is the name above every name. I believe everything in this earth and, and outside of this earth. Every demon in hell has to bow to that name. And I have faith when I use that name. It will accomplish what I say. That's undoubting faith. Right? But you can't only have undoubting faith. You must also have right standing with God. Amen. And I'm going to show you two things specifically in this context that Jesus said would take you outside of right standing with God. So let's go back to that core text here. For God to move on behalf of on your behalf, or on behalf of your prayers, you must fall into the category of the righteous. There's only two qualifications to have mountains move. It's undoubting faith and right standing with God. Mark 11, 24, again, Jesus said, I tell you, you can pray for anything. Say anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive Anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So, let me share this with you. Look at Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14 through 15. Again, I asked the Lord, why? Why do you have to first forgive? And this will all tie it together. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive those that sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Plain English. If you have unforgiveness towards anyone, the Lord says your sins are not forgiven. Guess what? If your sins are not forgiven, then you don't have righteousness. If you don't have righteousness, then your prayers don't meet the ear of God. If your prayers don't meet the ear of God, then mountains don't move when you decree and declare a thing. Hallelujah. So I'm going to give you a third point. I'm going to put it on the screen and give you a minute to write this down. Jesus said first, say first, you must first forgive because if you don't forgive, you are not forgiven. If you're not forgiven, then you are not in the category of the righteous. If you're not in the category of the righteous, then God is far from your prayers. If God is far from your prayers, then mountains, then the mountain will not move. Maybe that's less re uh, revelatory for you than it was for me. 
When I asked the Lord Jesus, why did you say after pray for anything, believe you receive it, you'll have it, but you must first forgive. He said, because I only move mountains for the righteous. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, your sins are not forgiven and you're not in the category of the righteous. Guys, I'm telling you, this is like one of those hard to swallow passages. People get up and try to preach. Well, if you, if you have hatred, if you have unforgiveness, how many of you know? You can't receive God's forgiveness for you. You'll have a hard time having any place in your heart to be forgiven if you don't forgive. Man, that's so soft and that's so weak. Jesus said it very plainly. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. If you're not forgiven, you can't even inherit heaven. Amen. If your sins are not forgiven, then you don't have righteousness. If your sins are not forgiven, then you don't have justification. In fact, this is a pretty serious thing. Unforgiveness could ultimately send you to hell because you cannot be forgiven until you forgive others. You know, not forgiving, basically, the whole point Jesus makes in this, that if you can't forgive others, you're no better off than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why is that? Because you're self-righteous. You're looking at somebody else saying you're bad and you've done something that's so much worse than anything that I've ever done that I can't find it in my heart to forgive you and I am more righteous than you are. I've sinned less than you. My sin has held less weight than your sin holds. That's the exact position of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Thank God I'm not like that person. No, actually forgiving others is coming to the, hum the humble place of, Lord, I'm going to be honest. Did that stink? Yeah, that stunk. Did that hurt? Yeah, that hurt. Did that make me feel good? No, it didn't make me feel good. But at the end of the day, Lord, I have sinned. I have done wrong. I have violated your word. And I am no better than any of these other people. And so because I know that you've forgiven me, I can forgive them. Hallelujah. And so what Jesus was basically saying, because I asked that, Lord, how? It doesn't make sense. Why do I have to forgive before the mountain will move? He said, because until you forgive, you're not in the category of the righteous. And until you're in the category of the righteous, I will not put power behind your prayer. It will not be effectual. It will not be fervent. It will not produce results, and the mountain won't move. Because in, actually, until you forgive and you're put into that category of righteous, I'm far from your prayers. Hallelujah. It's like, oh, man, it makes, it makes it hard for God to answer your prayers. No, it doesn't make it hard. It makes it impossible. He's far from you. <laughs> Does that make sense to everybody? You know, I'm going to show you something the Lord showed me today. I thought this was great. Uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13 the disciples came and said, Lord, tell us, teach us how to pray. Like John's disciples, how the, John taught his disciples to pray. The Pharisees teach their disciples how to pray. Why don't you teach us how to pray? And in fact, you have to think they saw, they didn't see this weak Christianity, this weak faith with Jesus, right? Where Jesus just had a prayer chain going and I'll keep you in prayer. You know, they saw miracles every single stinking day. They're like, when this guy cursed the fig tree, it dies. 
<laughs> when this guy tells, asks the father to multiply the bread and the fish, we feed 15,000 people with this stuff. Lord, we want to know what's your secret. Teach us how to pray. And then he says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And then look what he said. And forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. When they asked Jesus how to pray, this is what he told them to do. And he's basically saying, make these things the focus. I want to highlight that one line. Forgive us of our sins and forgive those that, that sin against us. This is going to, I don't know, this was just amazing for me, what I'm about to get to in just a moment. Maybe you guys are just like so over me. I have no idea, but this is great when I was studying this. Uh, Jesus was saying, make these things the focus. Why? Why do you need to make these things the focus when you pray? Really, what we try to do is make the mountain the focus, right? Whatever the thing you're trying to move, whatever the thing you're trying to receive, whatever the thing you're trying to get breakthrough in, that's what we just keep pounding the wall, bending God's ear trying to get. But he didn't say, mention any of those things. He said, pray like this and make these things the focus. One of them being is, forgive me of my sins, Lord, and let me forgive other people of their sins. Why would he say, make this the focus when you pray? Why would he say that? Well, I'll give you one, one reason why. If you constantly forgive and are forgiven, right? If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. So if you're constantly forgiving other people and the Lord has forgiven you, you will walk in the category of the righteous and the justified, and God will be close to your prayers, and your prayers will prevail much. So hold that thought. We'll come back to it in a minute. Write this down for point number four. Unforgiveness will take you out of the category of the righteous, and so will sin that is not repented of. Unforgiveness will take you out of the category of the righteous, and so will sin that is not repented of. Unrepented sin will keep the mountain from moving. Because it will cause you to be outside of the category of the righteous. Give you some scriptural example, 1 John 3, 7 through 10. Now remember, if you do things that, that according to the Bible, take you outside of the category of the righteous, then the Lord is far from your prayers. That means that you can pound your head against the wall, begging the mountain to move all day long, and it won't happen. 1 John 3, 7 through 10 says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous. Say it shows. It doesn't make you righteous. You can't receive righteousness by doing what is right. You receive it by faith. But although it can't make you righteous, it proves that you are righteous. It shows what God has done for you. Amen. Even as Christ is righteous, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. 
So what the Bible says is that when we sin continually, we sin habitually, we sin deliberately, we sin intentionally, it not only takes us out of that category of the righteous, it puts us under the dominion of Satan. Who has been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family don't make a practice of sinning. Listen, those that are born into God's family don't make a practice of sinning. Does that mean that if you're saved, you'll never sin? No, it, it means you don't make a practice of it. Amen. Amen. Right. The Bible says we have an advocate if we sin, not when we sin. The whole reason that those words are used, if and not when, is because we don't make a practice of sinning. Oh, Lord, man, you know, I went and murdered three more people. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. No, you can't do that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we, we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. If you belong to the devil, I'm about done here tonight. If you belong to the devil, you are in the category of the wicked. And we know from the scripture that God is far from the cries of the wicked. So number one, you must say, I must forgive. Here's keys to mountain moving faith. Number one, get all unforgiveness out of your heart. To get in that category of the righteous. All unforgiveness. I know people might have hurt you. I know you may have went through traumatic things. But I'm telling you right now, get it out. It's killing you. It's destroying you. It's hindering, it's hindering your life. The devil is, is allowing something bad that happened to you, some people, years ago to literally ruin and destroy the rest of your entire life. Why? Because your faith can never produce anything for you because you have unforgiveness in your heart towards another person. Just forgive them. Just love them. Talk, start to pray. The Bible says pray. Bless those that persecute you. Love your enemies. Say love. Man, I, you know, I had this abusive spouse. I had this situation that was horrible. I had a woman come and, and uh, this weekend. She drove hours to come, and she said she was in tears. She said, I have unforgiveness in my heart, and I want you to pray for me that I would be free from it. And I just told her, I stopped and I said, look, I can't, there's no magical prayer. I can pray for you to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. And the Lord told me, he said that there's symptoms that she was having in her body. That the reason those symptoms remained. Did she love God? Yes. Did she believe his word? Yes. But yet those symptoms were allowed to stay in her body. Why? Because of the door that was open through unforgiveness that she had. It put her in the wrong category. It put her under the dominion of the, of the devil. It put her in the category of the wicked. And so the Lord told me, he said, forgive. Tell this woman if she forgives, when she forgives, all the symptoms that she's been trying to treat, she's been trying to get rid of, they'll, instant, they'll lead her for her body. So I just let her in her prayer where I had her repeat 
you know, it was a, a husband, it was a bad situation. Lord, I forgive them. Then we prayed for his health. We prayed for his prosperity. We prayed that the Lord would bless him. We prayed that the Lord would multiply him. And as the words were coming out of her mouth, tears were just streaming down her face. And you could see she was being delivered from unforgiveness. And so you have to forgive and you have to repent in order for the Lord to hear the cries of the righteous. Look at 2 Chronicles 7, 14 through 15. The Lord said this, if my people, say if. This isn't just a given. There are stipulations. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. That's a fancy way of saying repent. The word repentance literally means to change direction. It means to turn. So basically, if my people will pray, they'll humble themselves and they'll repent, what did the Lord say would happen? I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Basically, what did the Bible say? Repent. What will happen if you repent? He will hear from heaven and forgive you. Guys, this is what's so amazing. If you have sin in your life, if there's things that you've done that you know is, is a, a, a direct violation of the word of God, you can repent and, and humble yourself and come before the Lord and put it under the blood of Jesus. And the Bible guarantees that if you do that, God will forgive you with, with no exceptions. Amen. Every time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what happens when you repent? What happens when you're forgiven? You step over just by simply humbling yourself and repenting of sin that, that's violating God. You step over into a different category now given to you by the Lord, by grace, into the category of the righteous. And then what happens? Quote, he says, I'll forgive their sin, restore their land. And then what happens? You're in a new category, my friend. And my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. When I get into that category of the righteous, the Lord's ears are turned towards me. <laughs> That's why Jesus taught this. Then you can ask the Father anything using my name. Then you can say to this mountain, move. And if you believe that you receive it, you will have it. Hallelujah. This, this realm of answered prayer by faith, when I get rid of these things that prevent and make it impossible for the mountain to move. So I'm going to end with, again, let's look back at the Lord's Prayer. This was the thing I told you hold on to because this was, to me, was like, wow, I've always wondered, and now this makes sense. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Jesus said, he said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Right? We talked about that. Make this the focus, not the mountain you're trying to move the focus. Then look at the next line. Then what did he say? Jesus said and pray and don't let us yield to temptation 
but rescue us from the evil one. Two main points. When you pray, focus on forgiving others. Focus on staying free from sin. If you'll focus on forgiving others and make that the focus, and you'll focus on, Lord, deliver me from the enemy. Deliver me from the evil one. Lead me not into temptation. Lead me not into sin. And you'll make that the focus. If you'll continually walk in forgiveness and continually walk in repentance, you won't have to keep begging God to move the mountain. You'll speak once, but you'll be in the category of the righteous, and the mountain will move by faith the first time that you speak. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I just always wondered, Lord, why, when they asked you how to pray, that's what you said to focus on. Because those are the things that keep the mountain from moving and keep you in the category of the unrighteous. And so he was like, look, people think that if you're going to pray, you just got to spend long hours of repetition. He said, don't pray like that. That's how the Gentiles pray. They think because they merely repeat themselves that God's going to hear them and answer their prayers because they're more righteous and holy and they're repetitive. No. He said, if you'll keep on forgiveness out of your heart, you'll be forgiven. And if you're forgiven, you're righteous and you're justified. And if you'll keep yourself out of sin and you'll walk in repentance before the Lord and you'll live your life underneath the blood of Jesus, you can ask my Father for anything and he'll give it to you because you asked using my name. Hallelujah. Don't make the mountain the focus of prayer. Make the focus the thing that brings you into the category of the righteous. And the other things will come to pass with ease when decreed in faith. So here's the three keys to answer prayer. Here's the three keys right here. I'm just going to tell them to you. Number one, repent of sin. Repent of sin. Come out from underneath the dominion of the devil. Get under the blood of Jesus. Humble yourself. Turn from your wicked ways. Repent. Don't do things. Don't make a practice of doing things the Bible calls sin. Number two, forgive. Say forgive. Not only forgive, but receive forgiveness. Make a habit of, Father, any time that you're offended. Y'all, I'm telling you, you think that forgiveness is just some horrible thing that happened. You know, oh man, I had the worst childhood. I grew up in 35 different foster care homes. You don't only have to go through like that, uh, something like that to have unforgiveness in your heart. There's people that they're just walking around offended. There's people that, that have let the devil take a little situation to cause them to be offended with another brother or another sister. I don't like the way they said that. I don't like the way that that situation happened. I don't like the way that they looked at me. And what is it? It's unforgiveness in your heart. Love makes an allowance. Love covers the multitude of sins, the Bible says. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just say, Lord, I'm not going to be offended. Anything that I have towards anyone, it's, I just totally forgive it and I release it. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. I want you to just say, say anything that I have against anyone, I release it today in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you 
as easy as I released it, you forgive me of every offense that I've committed against you. I am righteous. I am justified by the blood of Jesus. I am forgiven and I forgive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you need to repent of sin. You need to forgive and be forgiven. And then number three, you need to exercise undoubting faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you can repent of sin, if you can forgive and be forgiven and, and exercise undoubting faith, Jesus said, you could say to a mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. That help anybody tonight? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sure. Uh, will you guys turn to, I think it's Matthew 6. I'm sorry. I'm just like. Uh, verse 22, Jesus said, the lamp of the body is the eye, and therefore your, if your eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And in another account, I think it's in Luke, it says, take heed and, and make sure that your eye is not bad. Right? And then he goes on to talk about your provision. He says, no one can serve two masters for you will either hate one and love and love the other or you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And he talks about do not worry and uh, put, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of, the, these, all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not, care, uh, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day and its own trouble. Matthew 7, it goes in, judge not, and you shall not be judged. And he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or do you consider, or just say to your, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your own eye, but look, there's a plank in your own eye. He says, you're a hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly enough to remove this speck from your brother's eye. What, the reason I was, I went and I skipped around a little bit, is because he talks about your eye, he talks about your provision, and then he talks about your eye again, right? And so he sandwiches, and he, what he's saying is your provision is actually associated with what you look at. And with the Lord, I have notes on it this morning. I woke up at, this morning, and with the Lord, he starts speaking to me along all of these lines. And, and the thing is, what the Lord is telling me is, You'll, you'll have certain things like, what are the fruits of the flesh? You're going to have contentions. You're going to have rivalries. You're going to have 
um, adultery, you're going to have all these things. And, and, and the way a fruit, the fruit comes into being is, is its intentions. It's all intentions. And, and so if your intentions are always evil, always evil, always evil, you produce a fruit, which is either of the spirit or of the flesh, right? And so what John's talking about here is he's like, what he's saying, pursue righteousness, pursue righteousness. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. If you pursue righteousness, you'll have all of these things added unto you. You have no reason to worry. And something that I've really been thinking about and something I, I was telling Reagan this before everybody was here. I said, you know, if you live, if you live in a way where you rid yourself of all fruits of the flesh, God will take care of every need that you have. And that's like, I know I'm just reiterating what John said, but it is something that God was talking to me about this morning. And you know, that, that that's just like, there's certain things that are just are not fit for the believer that really are just not fit. You know, our contentions, you know what contentions means? It means arguing. It means, it means fighting. It means these things. And, and something that the Lord, I, I know, I've heard Tanner talk about, I heard him earlier. He's talking about unity. He's talking about these things. You know, how can we be united with other churches if we're not united together? I mean, that, that comes down to, you know, all these kids are always fighting about something random. And I'm pointing it out because, well, I'm pretty close to them and I know they'll forgive me. So, <laughs> but you know, like, it's not right, guys. It, it's not right to always be arguing. It isn't. And, and what it's doing is it's, it's, per, it's actually stripping you from God's provision in your life. It's stripping you from everything that God could do in your life. And, and Jesus was pretty clear about it. And, and I don't mean to point it out. I mean, I have to take out the speck of my own eye, Jesus said. But really what I want to come out here and, and just say is, you know, th this is the foundation. Jesus, if you, if you look through... Matthew 6, you go to Matthew 7, he parallels all of these things. And I, and I noticed it. It's all paralleled. Follow righteousness, your provision comes. Follow righteousness, this happens. Follow righteousness, this happens. And, and, and I was just like, I was amazed. Because, well, for one, John talks about this message today, and I, I'm just amazed by that alone. But I, I'm just amazed by how much how much your intentions matter on a daily basis uh, how much like what you look at what, what you're expecting because Jesus said if your intentions are bad there's nothing good that you could do your whole body will be full of darkness and it's not that you can't see like if your eye is bad that doesn't mean you can't see you might just be blurry you know you're trying to shoot with a gun you're not going to hit the target I mean, that, that's really what it means. It's like if you have a target you're setting for, if you have a faith target and you're trying to go for that target and your eye is bad, you have a speck in your eye, you will not reach that target. So that's all I wanted to come up. And I say, if you're lacking, if you're lacking the things that God promised in his word, Deuteronomy 28. Sorry. I'm just like mid-sentence flipping Bible verses, you know. The first, the first two verses of Deuteronomy 28, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of your Lord your God and carefully observe all of his commands, which I command you today, 
the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I mean, it's like every, every provision, everything, if you're lacking something in your life, look at yourself. Like I said, take heed and look and look and see your own eye. See, see how you're viewing the world and see if you, you have any fruits of the flesh. If you don't see that there's, that there's unforgiveness, but you see you're always arguing with somebody. You know, it, evaluate yourself. Take care of that. I'm not saying you need to go and point the finger at people. Maybe I should apologize for pointing out the kids for the arguing. Sorry. <laughs> but in all honesty, like, this, this is so, it's so substantial. And that's really all I have to say. So thank you, guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I want to just take a second and look at that because it's true. In Matthew 6, Jesus laid out the same principles. He's talking about provision. This is why I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Verse 25, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in their barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries out a single moment of your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Say faith. So number one, this is talking about provision. Number one, the principle of receiving provision. And he says faith. Say faith. Don't worry about what you eat. I'm sorry, don't worry about all these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father knows your needs. Seek the kingdom above all else. And the NLT says, live righteously, but other translation says, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek his righteousness. Basically, seek righteousness from God. What did we talk about how to obtain righteousness from God? Well, faith is how we receive righteousness by God, but then also forgive others. Jesus said, forgive others and you will be forgiven. Repent of sin. That's what it means. All of these principles tied together is what it means to seek after the righteousness of God, the righteousness that God gives. So Jesus actually said the key to provision are the same three principles. It's not just the key to answered prayers. It's not just the key to healing. It's not just the key to mountains moving. It's the key to everything in life, including provision. Hallelujah. What are some people's problem? Lord, I believe that you can provide for me. Yes, they may have faith, but yet they're not seeking the righteousness that God provides. Isn't that crazy to think about that having being offended at somebody could keep you from your provision, could keep you from your harvest. And that person really made me, did they make you that mad? Like, is it really worth the harvest that God has intended for you? No, but that's what the devil does as he lies. Having hatred, having anger. Jesus said that if you are angry, oh man, this is crazy. Look at this. 
You've heard that your ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Think about that. Just being, there is a righteous anger. The Bible says be angry, but sin not. It's talking about an unrighteous anger. It's talking about being hot-headed. It's talking about diminishing. You know, you can be angry at a situation and angry at the devil, but still walk in integrity and not have to just destroy that person. That person's such an idiot. That person's so dumb. That person's such a, and you just start running your mouth. Jesus said in plain English that if you actually think like that, you're guilty of you're guilty of the same offense as somebody that's a murderer. You say, well, they're a murderer, man, they've been to prison. Yeah, but you you've you've been you've just diminished people in your own heart. So if you're presenting a sacrifice, think about this, same principle. If you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar, in the temple, so say offering. If you're bringing an offering to the Lord and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. What is the whole point here? Strive for peace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then that thing that Tristan was talking about, the plank. I mean, don't judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Let me tell you, if you don't want to be judged critically, don't judge other people critically. Don't just look at every little thing that a person does and pick them apart. And um, If you do, that's the seed that you're sowing and that's the harvest that you're getting. Don't worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. The word log. I mean, it's like another translation says it's the difference between having a big old piney woods 80-foot pine tree in your eye when you're worried about a splinter in your friend's eye. Basically, the whole point is stop saying being so focused on what everybody else is doing wrong and what you're doing right because God resists the proud, but he exalts the humble. Let me... How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help get rid of the splinter, the speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. You know what, in context, don't throw your pearls to pigs. In context, you know what that means? Judging people. You know, that's what the, that's what the, the, the devil will try to get you to do. Unbelievers, people that are lost, let me just tell you, they're going to say wrong things. They're lost. <laughs> Guess what? Sinners are going to do mean things. 
Jesus said, you'll be hated, you'll be persecuted, you'll be flogged, you'll be killed. They called me the prince of demons, and I'm your master. If they called me the prince of demons, they'll call you names that are even worse. But what will the devil try to get you to do? Hating them, angry at them, in your heart, you're just, that person's dumb. Look at all this stuff that's going on. And you know what the Lord is saying? You're literally trading your pearls. You're casting your pearls. What's your pearls? The promises that God has given to you. The provision, the blessing, the healing, the miracles, everything God has in store for you. And whenever you choose to just be angry and have hatred in your heart, you're literally taking those pearls, it says, and throwing them to pigs. Wasting what God has given you. Why? Because you just counteracted all of the promises of God by doing that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us be a loving people, a forgiving people, a merciful people. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I just want to pray over every person in here. Help us all, Lord. Deal with us. Help us recognize the log in our own eye and get sin and self-righteousness and religion and all these things out of us. We want it out. We want it out. We ask for the Holy Ghost to just do a major, major work on our hearts. We would not be offended people. We would not be people that are upset and have hatred and anger towards another brother or sister. Lord, let us be like you, that not only did you love the righteous, but it says that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus doesn't only love the righteous. He loves the sinner. He loves the unrighteous. He loves those that are doing wrong. He, you know, are people going to go to hell? Yes, but it's not because of God's will. He loves them. It's not going to be pleasing to God for that to happen. He loves the world. Lord, let us be like you. Jesus said the entire law and the prophets could be summed up in this one command. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you do this, you'll fulfill the requirements of all the law and the prophets. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just believe the Holy Ghost is going to do a major work in the hearts of the people of this church. Lord, I thank you that us as men, we're not going to outburst in anger. We're not going to be angry. We're not going to be produce the fruit of the flesh where we just snap and we're angry and mad and all this stuff all the time. Lord, we'll walk by the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Minister to your people, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel in my spirit, the Lord just told me that there are things. You, some of y'all don't need to just leave this service and say, well, that was cool, and go on. No, the Lord's actually going to bring things up in your spirit where you have made wrong that you need to make right. There's some people that you need to apologize to. There's things that you need to, you need to set the bar straight. There's people that, that, that the Lord's going to show you You've had hatred, you've had anger, you've had unforgiveness for. 
And the Lord is going to bring them to your mind and bring them forth in your spirit. And you're going to release them and the Lord's going to deliver you from all of that anger, all of that hatred. And I testify, I prophesy right now that some of the things that you've been believing God for for a long time, that when you allow the Lord to do this work in your heart, the things that you've been waiting for years, you'll see come in weeks. Hallelujah. The thing that you've been believing God for months and months and months, you'll see happen just like the snap of a finger because the wall that was damming up the river from flowing will be removed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Y'all believe and receive that? Thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Well, I love you all. I want to remind you, we have youth happening in the back Friday at 6 o'clock. Get your kids here, grandkids, friends, family. Get them here. We'll pick them up, uh, and then I'll see you all. If I don't see you Saturday at the outreach, we'll see you Sunday morning. Amen? I love you all. God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.